0: Well, cowboy Andy, I know the beard Arena contest is coming down to the wire here, and I want you to want you to succeed as much as you can here. And so I brought this I brought this special treatment.
1: Well, thank you, cowboy Jeff.
0: Now this is a balm. It is the balm to use on your beard.
1: The balm? What? What? A balm?
0: Well, no, like balm. Like a, this one has a secret ingredient that very few people know. It's it's got rosemary in
1: it. Well, I heard that's a uh, traditional uh, Mexican hair growth remedy. Oh.
0: Okay. Well, why don't you just lie on back in your reclining chair, and uh, I'll get this balm out, and we'll get ourselves one of them warm washcloth towels. And okay, let me open the jar up here, oh. and we'll put a little bit on the towel here. Now you just lay back here. Uh. I'm gonna set this this warm towel right on your beard.
1: Oh, okay. Okay, cowboy Jeff.
0: Here we go. Okay.
1: Uh, 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 uh. Oh. Oh.
0: Good. Now you just hold on to that. Let it let it soak in and uh, you know, rosemary is is like the plant.
1: Well, it, well, do I have to massage it?
0: No, 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 no. Just leave it there. Uh, rosemary kind of Kind of does its infusing.
1: Well, we only have a week to the judging; it's next Saturday. Don't
0: worry. I think all we need is a, a couple of minutes here. And uh, Rosemary is uh, well. That's like my ex wife's name, and you know she didn't like this the smell of this very much. But it's it's very good for a thick, healthy set of whiskers. Now Rosemary, she didn't care for the plant and. Unfortunately, well, I guess I have to tell you she, she didn't much care for you either. But what? Well, uh, she's my she's my ex, and, and uh, quite honestly, she didn't care much for me at at some points either in time. So I guess uh, I guess that we're even. Okay, let's give it the time. Tickety tick, tickety tick, tickety tick. I don't think we ought to let it go too far. Five minutes might be a little too spicy.
1: Yeah, it might, it might be. I I I don't want to I don't want to have any hair fall out.
0: Okay, let's let's remove. Okay, uh, gently, uh, gently. Oh, 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 oh. Your your beard is certainly a little different, Cowboy Andy. It, what? Well, there's a, it's a, got a touch a touch of green in it now. Uh, kind of. Kinda like the Incredible Hulk. Oh,
1: me like rosemary, good.
0: Ah, uh, I, I think. Uh, well, of course. Wait a minute. Now, now, in the light, it's shifting. It's shifting to a closer to a red color.
1: Well, I, I, I'm hoping the different categories are the widest beard. And I don't know. I'm a little salt and pepper. Uh, but they do have the reddish category.
0: Let's uh, let's take a look here. Let's see if we can measure quantitatively. Let me get the tape measure on. We'll take a look and see what you got here.
1: They put it up on my chin. Now they measure they measure from the skin to the longest hair. Okay, hold still. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Oh. Hold on, hold on.
0: Let me get it loose. Ah, 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 ah. Well, that's uh well that's an impressive growth of well, at least a quarter of an inch. In a this
1: quarter w- of an inch? I've been growing this for two
0: months. Well, this is only one treatment. Well, we can do it again later.
1: Well, I guess we're we're gonna have to have a couple treatments this week, Jeff. We're gonna have to double it up. We only got a week left.
0: I'm sure that it's gonna help. You know, I went and I came and I saw El Chapo de Casmelia. Oh,
1: the famed El Chapo.
0: Yep, he was down at the Banda five ten club. That's uh that's pretty darn nice. Uh, jamming the Banda. Well, we had trouble though with the Trombone player. Wah wah. you know, uh maybe the the bell was a little oh I don't know, tacoed or something. I'm not sure what the problem was, but The guy didn't seem to hit hit the low notes quite like he hit the high notes.
1: Well, does El Chapo, is he, uh, is it red or, or, or is he more in the black cat, the black beard category?
0: You know, uh, it's hard to tell. The light show was kind of shifting and I couldn't really be honest as to the color, but the length had to be five inches on his beard.
1: Oh, they have quite a production. Uh, they have the El Chapo and Los Machos. They got quite a lot show. I, I'm really impressed with their production. Man. Well, we had a gig this week, uh, Jeff. Uh how did you like it? The Raconteer Room.
0: Oh man, we had a good show there, didn't we? I, I had a fine time in that place.
1: What what does Raconteer mean, Jeff?
0: Well, it's it's a storyteller. Raconteer is somebody who regales people with uh stories fascinates them with the details and the impersonations of the voices that he's heard
1: the raconteer room is it's such a historic area did you know that atascadero means mud? <laughs> well I, I had
0: heard that I thought people were just teasing but I think I think it's actually what it does mean
1: and then Paso Robles means hot mud and that's one step up
0: <laughs> It's good to know that the things that we describe, are actually real places and real things.
1: There's this band that I discovered, though, that hosted us, Jolin Station. Uh, you, you remember Chris and Brad? Uh-huh. Well, little Chris Mariscal, he is from a political royalty here in Santa Maria. His daddy is Martin Mariscal, who was one of our early conservatives, I think, back in the 90s. So it was nice to run into to little Chris. That's
0: well. Did they have a good gig too? Then
1: they had a really good gig, Jollin Station, and their singer is Bradley Coates, and and he he has that he has that Bakersfield Bakersfield uh, cadence, and I I could really relate with my Texas roots. So they're singing some tight harmony and entertaining all those wine sippy yuppies up there in North County.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. You know uh, I'm going to ask you. I, I know they did well, but
1: how did we do? Well, we got paid twenty bucks,
0: okay, well, okay, that's enough to gas up and get back to town at least
1: that's right, so so onward and upward, cowboy, Jeff,
0: all right, back at you again, Rosemary treatment again tomorrow,
1: yes, and then we we're, we're all getting psyched for that beard areno on may twentieth i got got my tape measure.
0: We'll have quantitative measurements and be certain that we're headed in the right direction. Yeah,
1: you got to be quantitative in this world. Hello, you've reached another episode of the Cowboy Jeff and Andy podcast. Today, we have Hilda Zacharias a member of the Board of Trustees for Allen Hancock College. So it's going to be a very interesting discussion. So... Stay tuned. Well, I'm here with Ilda Zacarias, and she is on the board of trustees of the Allen Hancock College. Welcome, Ilda. Thank you, Andy, and thank you for having me. Well, we go go way back. Uh, I think you didn't have a very good impression of me. When we were on Ledbetter Beach, and I was a little disheveled, and it was in 1996, the day before the presidential election, and Bill Clinton was speaking at City College.
2: He was. He was speaking on behalf of then-candidate uh, Walter Caps. Right, and you worked for Walter Capps. At I that time. did. Uh-huh. I I actually ran against Walter Capps in the 1994 primary. And we ended up becoming such great allies and friends that when he was ultimately elected, he invited me to be his representative here in the city of Santa Maria and northern, uh, excuse me, southern San Luis Obispo County. So were you working that day? I wasn't. You I was with- there just like uh, you as as a friend and supporter. Sketchy though. You thought I had that baseball cap and. I didn't know about you. Uh, I say, Who like, who is that guy sitting in the corner? I just knew you were friends with Jonathan Milder, our, our friend from a long time ago. Well, and then you were with Ben Chavez. I think that's when the Chavez,
1: Cesar Chavez's grandchildren were here in the valley.
2: Yes, that was Eric Chavez. Uh-huh. And Eric had opened the farm worker office here in Santa Maria, had reopened it. I knew that as a child from the 60s, I had been at the farm worker offices back then with my family. And so being able to be friends with Eric and see him continuing to do the, the good work of, of justice for farm workers was, was fabulous.
1: And then as part of Walter, you working for Walter Capps, uh, we also went to Santa Maria, Santa Maria Day in Washington.
2: Oh, my gosh. It was the highlight of my time working for Walter, and I loved working for Walter Caps.
1: What,
2: what do you remember from that trip? Well, first of all, I remember that you made the front page of the Samaria Times That's right. with an amazing picture uh, of you looking at the Vietnam War memorial wall, and it was so moving. And our friend, Louis, Right. Uh, he he took that picture because he made it. He made it to DC just to photograph all of um the experiences we were all having representing the city of Santa Maria in Washington D.C. Well, and I think we served tri-tip to Sonny Bono. <laughs> yes, we did. Uh, actually, it was the Rigettis who from here, our local uh Rigettis who flew out there. They had all the tri-tip and and red oak shipped over there on one of the trucks, and we had tri-tip in downtown Washington, D.C. It was too much fun.
1: <laughs> well, things are probably a lot different now. There's a lot more security these days. <laughs> oh, yes, there is. Yes, there is. Well, you've been a longtime activist, and, and I just really admire you because you really have that that big heart that really wants to serve. And maybe you could let the people out there uh, you know, have a little bit of knowledge about your background.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, You've certainly been a great ally and friend. Uh, I think that service is something that we choose to do. And sometimes that service is um, centered upon our own family or our neighbors, our friends. And sometimes we extend that service to our communities. And when I was uh, growing up, as I had said earlier, we were involved in the farmworker movement, even though we weren't farmworkers. My mom was a motel maid. And she had us involved in the farm worker movement because she said, it's not right what's happening to them. And so we heard messages uh, over and over again, when you see something that's wrong, you need to say something, you need to do something. And if someone needs help, you need to help them. And we never felt poor, even though we were, we never felt that we had no voice, even though some may have interpreted us to not have voice. And so we always felt empowered. To do something, to say something. So, anytime uh, someone said, Oh, hey, we need someone to do XYZ, I'd say, Sure, sure. And that's how I ended up getting started, whether I was in high school involved in clubs, or when I first went to college, or then when I went back to college, getting involved in the childcare at Cal Poly, or being involved here at Hancock as a tutor. It was just a way of life. Uh, but more importantly, I think it's, it's connecting the dots to your own service, to how you create real change in communities. And that's through legislation at a variety of levels. Uh, for example, when I worked for Congressman Caps, my shiny moment was that I got to put one sentence that I created in the legislation that granted the grounds for Hancock College's Lompoc Center. Wow. From the federal government to to the to the excuse uh, me, to, to the Allen Hancock College um, entities, for us to be able to build that center. I mean, who gets to do that? Uh, very few of us, and so I, I always felt excited and empowered to be able to to be in that space, but know that my values always come from what's going to be good for our community. Well, I think about.
1: Um women in politics and and what it takes for a woman to put herself out there and and it really takes it's not for everyone and you really did that early you were on the high school board when I first came up here
2: yes I was I was lucky enough to serve as a as a San Bernard High School uh, Board of Trustee uh, I was appointed and then elected and uh, it, it really, It really is amazing. First of all, I've always been a student in my heart and in just the way I approach things. And so I was always surrounded by people who were willing to take the time with me. And I think that that's important. If we as elected officials think we have all the answers, we've already lost. We've lost. And we we cannot approach our work that way. And so in all that I do and moving forward, it's about how I make that happen and where can I be involved to have a positive impact.
1: Well, and it took at that time you were raising children and and so it was quite a sacrifice to to you know, attend all those meetings and all the extra duties required.
2: One of my friends uh, who's been a, a very, very long-term friend, reminded me the other day about how many boards I was on. She goes, and I remember you saying, I'm only on boards where I can take my children with me to board meetings. Oh wow. And so my kids, you know, now adults, uh, with families of their own are, Sometimes they, they roll their eyes at me, remembering how many meetings I made them go to. But when I look at who they are, they understand about the needs of the developing disabled, for example, or the needs of women in elected office or trainings for leadership because they were there. They went to all those things wow, you and they were model. involved in that. And, and they saw others, not just their crazy mother, because of course you'd never stop being their mother. Um, but they saw that this was a way to live a life with these values.
1: Now you were on the city council and I was we were talking earlier that I ran into to Chris Mariscal and and his dad Marty was uh, ran was appointed to the city council and you took his seat. How close was that election?
2: I won by three hundred and twenty three votes. Now, some would say, wow, that's not very many votes, but it really is. And I told everyone involved in our campaign that they're the ones who got me elected because they're the ones who probably had 323 people that they spoke to, and that if they hadn't done that, I may not have won. But few know the story of when I was elected to the Santa Maria Joint Union High School District, and I only won by 23 votes. Wow! If my family had not voted that day, we would. And that was with a total vote count of over 14,000 votes to win by only 22. And that was when we were electing at large. We were uh, electing at this. large. And in the city council, that was also at large. And so it was a, a comprehensive campaign. It was citywide. Um, it was not something I had I had set out to do. It had not been my goal to do that but some friends approached me and when I shared with them that I, I felt I was going to lose, I said, so why don't we make it a positive experience and we can teach people about running for office and how it works. And so we would actually have workshops there in our little campaign house and talking about all the different levels of government and how to be involved, and that made it all worthwhile. And then when, at the end of the day, I ended up winning, it was such a privilege. It was such a privilege, and I'm very thankful to the city council members at the time who took, especially Mayor Lavagnino. He uh, called me kid, uh, which I appreciated, and... Um, But uh, it was actually uh, Mayor Lavagnino who said to me once, he said, you know, Hilda, I thought you were going to be, you know, one of these wackos. And he says, and then I go to find out that I thought I was tight about financial issues. There's nobody more prudent and frugal than you. And it always made me laugh because I love to surprise people. I love to burst their stereotypes and whatever thoughts they had about who I am or what I represent, uh, because that's what we have to do at the government table. The government table is we need to bring people who aren't like us so we can learn about them. I also learned a lot about Mayor Lavignino. I learned a lot about Alice Patino and Mike Cordero. And at that time, when I first came on, Leo Trujillo, may he rest in peace, and Bob Warrock. I learned about them. Uh, doesn't mean we agreed. It was tough being a four-one city council member. Well, that's the thing. Being
1: the lone, you were out there as a progressive voice, and you were the lone ranger, really.
2: Many times. Yes. Many times. Uh, there, Some of the things we were able to start uh, when I was there, it was the first time that we designated $25,000 for youth programming. First time. Wow. First time. And I think that we have to recognize that, priorities change over time, and I was really glad to to be part of a city council that decided that that was to be a priority and look to what it's grown to now. Now we have the bond measure that helps to fund part of the youth programming. We need to strengthen that. We need to continue to build so that way our youth are engaged and participating in their own development and development of their own community.
1: That's been a big issue over the years. I know that uh, soccer complex they're working on and And uh, it's just been a lot of committees, a lot of new nonprofits that are focusing on youth activities, FLA, Future Leaders of America, just some great organizations that have developed over 25 years. I mean, a lot of this wasn't here.
2: Absolutely. And one of the things about San Maria, it's it's not a great place to find a, a life mate, uh, because most of the people here are married already and they have children, but it's a great place to raise your children. And there's so many folks involved in youth sports, uh, football and football, and uh, you know baseball and all our parks. And it really is a wonderful place. Uh, but I do want it to expand more so we are able to do things for for residents of all ages. Wow, well.
1: Can you give, give me a little commentary? We've been talking about our city council and, and, and Gloria Soto. What a story. Uh, I think she won by 40 votes. Uh, but can you just you know, give me your perspective? And, and you were talking about other uh, other uh, council members as well.
2: Absolutely. I, I think that we have a, a very diverse uh, – we're getting to be diverse. Uh, we're certainly not all of one mind anymore, which is, which is good. Uh, Again, bringing the diverse voices uh, to the table. uh, I have to say I continue to have deep admiration for the commitment of our mayor, Alice Patino, and all the work that she puts in every day. Uh, And I know her and I share the values of loving our community and wanting our community to be better. We may not always share how to do that, but we certainly share that value. So when, when you know that you share the values, you can find the common ground. And I think that's where we all need to start, is, is recognizing that. Uh, we have Mike Cordero, uh, of course, he's, he's given so much of his life to the city of San Maria and along with his wife on the San Maria Benita School Board. And then we have um, Maribel Aguilera, who just won her seat, uh, an intelligent, articulate, fabulous uh, person who who brings a a wide variety of experiences, especially related to business and business development, which we need to be strong advocates for. Uh, So that mix of folks, I'm hoping uh, with Gloria's leadership, Maribel's leadership, and Alice, of course, I am a little partial to the girls. <laughs> Sorry, ladies, the first women.
1: female mayor yeah, the, of Santa Maria in history,
2: absolutely. And I think that I think it's a good it's a good mix. And then Mike and uh, Carlos uh, bringing in their perspectives all together. Are I know they're trying to do the best for the city, but it's complex.
1: Yes, it is, and it's getting more complex. Um, I am been following the update of the city's general plan. What what is your vision for Santa Maria in 2040?
2: Well, in 2040, I'll probably be laying down over there at the Santa Maria Cemetery, living at the uh, mall. I, I living at the mall, um, but uh, in 2040, what I want our community to have evolved to is to where we're more diverse. Uh, we're we're more segregated than I would like to see. Uh, we're segregated not just by uh, race, which is just one one uh, type of segregation. We're segregated by experience. We're segregated by education. Um, you know, I don't know if people know, but only 16% of the people who uh, are citizens or residents of the city of Santa Maria hold a bachelor's degree. When you compare that to San Luis Obispo, it's closer to 56%. Santa Barbara, it's almost 60%. We need to educate our community. And that's where my role at Allen Hancock College has been so rewarding. We've been working and many people across a variety of ideologies have been working together to try and bring a four-year university opportunity here to San Juan. Wow. And that makes all the difference in the world because Hancock College is is preparing students to transfer, but then they can't go because they simply can't afford the, not just tuition, the living expenses of moving to to a community that has a university. Cal Poly is so impacted, even though we at Hancock College transfer more students to Cal Poly than any other California community college, it's still not our designated Cal State. Our designated Cal State is Camarillo. Wow. And so when you, the Channel Islands um, campus there in Camarillo, Oxnard. And so that means that our students would have to travel there. They're guaranteed entrance there. But how are you going to live there? How can you afford it? You can't. I've actually known students who have commuted uh, the two and a half hours each way uh, to be able to attend college at Cal State Channel Islands. And so we we need to work at improving the, the lives of the individuals who are here and to be able to increase the amount of housing so we can try and and negate some of the high prices. But California is, and and hopefully will always be, a very desired place to live. And I want the city of Santa Maria to be a desired place to live. And so we do that by improving our communities through education, through recreation, and and frankly, through social relationships across the boundaries uh, that we have created for ourselves. I think that
1: the Hancock College District has really pushed – the high school and the elementary district in a more kind and friendly
2: um, direction. And I really appreciate that influence of the college. Absolutely. I think we have a lot of folks who've really taken leadership in saying, let's create a college-going community. If we create a college-going community, then the expectation is we are going to college. And so that's how we start with Bulldog Bound where we have elementary students come to to Hancock College. We have the uh, concurrent enrollment available to students who are at the high school level so they can earn their college credits while they're at high school. Both my niece and nephew took advantage of that and were able to graduate college in three years instead of four. And so we, we need to do that. And as long as we keep on creating that, then we can partner that college experience, with the other job of Hancock, which is vocational uh, skill development and then basic skills. So we're able to, as a community college, fulfill those three commitments, which is really what how California community colleges were designed and why I felt so inspired when I was asked to consider running there. I went and I said, well, I need to learn more about California community colleges. And that was the first thing I learned is that it's about – vocational training, it's about preparation for transfer, and it's about uh, job development and working within our own community. So now we have Hancock Wines, we have our vineyards, uh, we have an amazing welding program, we are doing great things. I mean, not to mention PCPA for the arts. Yes, It's just, we're very, very lucky. And if the community uh, who's listening hasn't been to the Fine Arts Building, Please go. It's open all the time, and you're gonna just see a treasure.
1: Well, you have, you have grandchildren here in the Santa Maria Benita School District, and I, we're just getting through the testing season, and, and it's just I I want to talk to you about it, and the people out there is that, the accountability system in the country is really broken, I believe, and I, and 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 for a, there was a long era where we were chasing a 2% gain or, and, and um, it's just so difficult for our kids to really feel successful. And, and I really like, uh, we have a superintendent McDuffie here and, and it's more about a child centric approach. And I, I just, I, 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 as I think about it, I, I think, well, we, we have the system that we function in and I'm sure the community college has a laws and, and a system, but we cannot be blind robots. We must look at these little children in front of them and, and, and think about the whole child rather than a a number on a page.
2: Absolutely. And of course the pandemic took a tremendous toll. Have you noticed that uh, mental health uh, issues in the, in the. Oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And I think that um, we have to remember that that's also us. We also went through the pandemic. Yes. And, and I know that I have a, a certain consciousness of what I experienced, uh, the isolation I had from my friends. Here we we live close to each other, but it was scary to see, to reach out to see you. It, it, it has been a, a process. And I have, you know, a master's degree from Harvard and I've been through all that, you know, kind of awareness and self-awareness. What is that like for a six-year-old child or a seven-year-old child? Or, or the children who were born during that time and are only now three or four years old, and they, they just haven't had that human connection. And I think that just as we're, we're looking at being child-centric at the elementary school level and the high school level, we really are being student-focused at Hancock College. It's all about student focus. It's We, we have a food pantry. If A student who goes to Hancock is not going to go hungry. Because we have a food pantry there. During the pandemic, we ended up uh, providing food distribution to hundreds of thousands of families during that time. We we managed, uh, they're just amazing. There's angels on that campus all throughout uh, northern Santa Barbara County. The people at Hancock College look at the student and know that these students aren't just your traditional, I just graduated from high school. I mean, they're People who are older, and I've gone back to school and I've taken classes there, and I I see people of all ages, and it's it's exciting because again it's the whole it's the whole community that's learning and growing, and so we must approach uh, the education of our children that way. But we also need to remember that there's parents and families and neighbors and aunts and uncles and grandparents who can also help with that uh, by remembering to socialize with the children and be inclusive with them and sharing. Stories, you know, first five does a great job reminding us that we have to talk, sing, and play with our children. Well, we need to do that even if they're not under five years old. We uh, need to play more. Yes, we do. Yes, we do.
1: <laughs> well, we uh, we've talked about the city's updating its general plan, and they just put out a few alternatives. Uh, one involved. More uh, lower density and, and more annexation. And then there was one infill alternative, which looked at more density in, in the central city area. Uh, how do you feel about uh, Main Street? It just seems that having Sears close was a big loss. And uh, so how, how, what can we do about Main Street? I've been working with Corazón de Pueblo and, and we have that little center there and it'd be nice to generate
2: something. Yes, it would. Um, It would be great if I could uh, sit here and just give you the magic answer. Uh, But, of course, I don't have that. It's complicated. It it is very complicated. But I'll let you know what I do feel. Yesterday, I went to Los Angeles to the airport. uh, And when I came up over the hill, when you're coming back from the airport, and you see the entire San Fernando Valley, um, and you see all the smog and all the sprawl that goes on forever, I don't want that to be the scene I see when I'm coming back from Los Alamos. Well, and the
1: Central Valley uh, has dealt with those same issues.
2: Absolutely. Yes. And so from the time I was on city council, I supported the idea of having a green belt around the city. Wow. And and that green belt is something that's always been supported by agriculture. And so it's, a, it's a nice to have that place of commonality and wanting to do that. Uh, I live right here by the riverbed, being able to look out my window and see the hills, and the I can actually hear the cows mooing, and having the ducks and and the birds. I mean, this is this is nature and this is life. We have to protect our green spaces, and the so tiger
1: salamanders. Don't forget about the tiger salamanders.
2: <laughs> I I just hope we don't have them here at Jim May Park. Uh, and so we do have to think about our impact on on and, and the impact of sprawl on, on our, on our ecosystems. So I do support more infill approach and also higher density, but to have higher density means you have to have a sense of community. So you want to make sure that you're building that sense of community. You're not going to want to have a, a a large uh, development and then not have a grocery store or a coffee shop or an open space, a park space where they can sit and enjoy or to have music or whatever it might be. Uh, that's what porches were made for. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could have more porches and people could come together? Uh, and I know some people always, uh, uh, they, they love to accuse me of being a little Pollyannish uh, because I'm like happy-go-lucky sunshine. And it's like, well, that's because that's what you can create when you develop relationship with your neighbors. You can create that environment where you're looking out for one another and you're taking care of one another and we don't have to worry if someone's growing old because they're never going to be alone because their neighbors are watching out for them. Uh, We have a lot of folks who live by themselves and if it wasn't for their neighbors and friends, they do continue to become more and more isolated. Yes, and
1: a lot of the laws, the zoning in the city really doesn't provide that flexibility it's, the land uses are very segregated, and in order to get anything uh, more new and innovative, you need to go through these discretionary permits. And, and so that's what they're looking at with the general plan is
2: maybe updating some of our zoning laws. And that's what, that's what I'm hoping because, I mean, of course, there are zoning laws that are appropriate. I don't want them building helicopters next to where I'm trying to take a nap. Or uh, you know, having a, a big bright lights when I'm trying to sleep. Uh, oh, that's sleeping. How about those ADUs? Oh, the ADUs. Oh, aren't aren't they? Well, that's a state law yes. that was passed. Um, I'll tell you one of one of my pet peeves when I was on city council is I did not support uh, the requirement that they have carports when they did garage conversions. Because I felt that carports just created a, a, a different aesthetic, a different beauty to that home and took away from the beauty of the home. And now those aren't required, and I'm so happy. Wow. Uh, and and so you can have an ADU, you can, you can have a conversion to your garage, and you can change it without having to build one of those unsightly carports. But what does that mean? Less parking on streets. Right. And yeah. so then when we start thinking about that and how – comfortable or uncomfortable that makes those of us who live in single family residences we like to have parking in front of our streets so when our friends come over and our family comes over there's plenty of parking but we're a shared community and we work with and live with one another so we need to think about where we put our cars we're very very much about vehicles and transportation because again what does that say about our public transportation systems, and how is that integrated into how we build our general plan? And how are is, are they going to have to adapt to make sure people can get where they need to get? Especially, we're trying to not have cars, so it's 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 a, a, a it's like a, a layers and layers and layers and layers and layers. Uh, and as a former urban planner, I mean, there's nobody better than someone like yourself. To remind us, those of us who are trying to make good decisions, of what are all the implications for planning?
1: Putting those ADUs, it seems like I mean it. It was a. It's a, we're having a housing emergency, and and it and I can see the rationale, and people need a place to live, but it is it's it's very generalized and rough shot, and and you're just putting a little bit more density out in these single family and. And it doesn't it's not thoughtful uh, like looking at a general plan and looking at the downtown mm-hmm. so. and
2: it's not as thoughtful and it's it's been very interesting and as um, as many p- people believe it or not still don't know what I actually do for a living yeah. I'm and actually it's tux- as- Go yeah, ahead. I'm actually a certified public accountant.
1: And they extended the tax deadline
2: to October 15th So you never stop working. Oh, not this year. I'm going to take a vacation. I know. I'm going sometime in June, I'm hoping. Maybe Chicago. And so it, it you threw me off my game. Um so what I've seen with some of my clients is that they've been converting uh their homes and they've been adding ADUs and they're usually separate units. So it's more like a granny quarters, what we're used to, a little second dwelling house. And I just think about, and I ask them, I said, so do you have a separation between your, where you live and where they live? And in some cases they do. They just build something. And I'm like, hi, huh, I wonder if that's allowed to like build the fence. And so I do think differently since I've been on the city council. Uh, it taught me that, that a lot of things come into play fencing, landscaping, you know, what's the water usage, parking, uh, all those things have to be taken into account when you're making decisions. Before, I used to just think, is it pretty? I like pretty, pretty houses. I like pretty gardens. And okay, yeah, that looks good. But now I don't think that way anymore. I think about it in a much more complex way.
1: What do you do to, uh, you've been talking about the casino, and there's been some concerts, (laughs) and and you're I, you're one of those. I think you head up there every once in a
2: while. Every once in a while, I'm forced to, uh, I'll tell you. And uh, what's fun is is uh going over there and see how many people I know. So when I go with a friend, oh, really? we always count, well, how many people are you going to know today? Um, but it is fun. And again, there's not a lot to do. <laughs> the bingo you said the
1: bingo at the elks now they use the computer so
2: uh, no no the, the the bingo at the chumash casino uses computers oh. so that's not any fun at all no the elks is old school i bet it's old school old school elks and it's got the regular bingo players and when it's not tax season i love to go and you know i've invited you and we've gone and it's it's really good clean fun and we're not allowed to go into the bar uh, and bring alcohol out to the to the bingo uh, floor. Um, but it's volunteers and they raise thousands and thousands of dollars every year for children with uh, disabilities. So it's a great cause and then we have fun. And so, yes, that's my big excitement. That then traveling to see family and friends.
1: I've been talking a lot about the, on the podcast about the strengths of Santa Maria and just the a small town and and it's so geographically distinctive and so it's a it's a good place to live
2: yes it is i'm glad you're here andy
1: i'm glad you're here too <laughs> well thank you so much uh, it was just a pleasure to talk to you and and we'll see you out there on the in the activism and the uh, down the road
2: yeah. well i'll be seeing you y'all old... i can't even say it you have roots in Texas. I have roots in Texas, but my daddy brought me here when I was 18 months old. So I am nearly native to Santa Maria. You were born in Texas. I was born in McAllen, Texas. Me too. I got the Texas flag. I there, know. So. I know. You see, that might be why we're so simpaticos. Yes. All right.
1: I'll take care. Okay. You've reached the end of another Cowboy Jeff and Andy podcast. My special thanks to Ilda Zacharias. We are on Instagram at Cowboy Jeff and Andy, and you could reach me at cowboyjeffandandy at gmail.com. So thank you for joining us, and bye bye.